just so thankful for the presence of the Lord and that the Holy Spirit knows he's welcome here. Audrey, thank you for beautiful praise and worship and incorporating the communion in it as I felt led of the Lord to do. And I also want to mention something this morning. How many of you saw the Jimmy Swagger program this morning? Anyone? If you didn't, I would recommend you watch it. It comes on, I think, at 4 o'clock as well. But I'll share it with you because I thought it was so exciting. On Monday of this past week, uh, Jimmy Swagger got a phone call from the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And he thanked him for his programming, his message of the cross, his worship of the Lord, and said that this country needs exactly what he's presenting to the world. I thought that was astounding information. And God bless him for recognizing the moving of the Holy Spirit, which the, I, I, you, you can't say that Jimmy Swaggart's church is the only one on television who does allow for that because it's not. There, there are many, but he is definitely one of the ones that has the biggest platform. And I just wanted to share that. I thought it was spectacular that Donald Trump recognizes the presence of God and men and women who stand for allowing the presence of God to move. I just wanted to share that with you. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 6. This won't last very long, but I've got a lot of scripture, so if you can bear with me, we'll just be reading quite a bit of scripture. We're going to start in verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. And you might say, well, why did you blend this all together? Well, just because the Lord led me to do it this way, I believe, and so I hope it works out for you, for all of us. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart, unto a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure, even so much as to eat. Jesus was concerned about the welfare, the well-being, the mental health, the physical health of the disciples who were giving out spiritually on his behalf. And he wanted to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with them to rejuvenate them. I feel like we've been rejuvenated by the presence of the Lord this morning. But can you imagine some personal R&R &R time with the Lord Jesus himself? In verse 32, And they parted into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outran them, and came together to him. 
And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to preach to them many things. Verse 35, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and they said, this is a desert place and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for we have, they have nothing to eat. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Give ye them, you give them, to eat. Jesus expected the disciples to feed the people. And they said, well, what should we do? Go and buy 200 penny worth of bread to give them something to eat? And he said unto them, how many loaves and fishes do you have? Go and see. Get on your feet, get up. Start moving, check it out, and find out what you've got. They came back, and when they knew, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus put the expectation in his disciples' heart and minds that they're going to play a part in this. He's not doing all this by himself. They've got work to do. And verse 39, and he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies on the green grass, having a picnic with Jesus. Verse 41, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and he blessed them and he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples, the distributors of his glory to set before them, and the two fishes he divided among them all. His team participated in a creative miracle right beside Jesus. Verse 44, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 basketfuls full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that ate were about 5,000 men. Now, I read that the loaves would have been five or six inches in diameter and only about an inch thick. And it said that they were very heavy and dense loaves. <laughs> Doug and I have been making sourdough bread. I've had to throw away the last three loaves because it was so dense and thick, I couldn't cut it with a knife. Doug's is beautiful. If you want to know how, talk to him. Don't ask me. <laughs> but a man could eat easily a whole loaf and possibly even two. The math worked out this way. Jesus would have created between 5,000 and 20,000 5, 20, loaves of bread through the power of the Holy Spirit working in him and he would have created no less than 5,000 fish. It was customary for the Jews to carry a basket that holds two gallons of 
items, like we would carry a backpack today, so to speak. And it was a two-gallon deep basket. And the Bible said they collected two baskets full, 24 gallons of leftovers of bread and fish after the people ate. And verse 45, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away. And when he had sent the people away, Jesus departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone was left on the land. Verse 48, and he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, or the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift, he came to them walking upon the sea, and my Bible says he would have passed them by. Now, why would Jesus pass them by? So I had to research this. And the consensus is, that the power of the Holy Spirit propelling Jesus across the water was so strong that he outran the rowing of the boat. The men couldn't keep up rowing the boat as fast as Jesus walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 50, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it was a spirit and they cried out in fear. For they all saw him and were troubled, and they immediately, and immediately he talked with them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Just like a mother would go in to her crying baby and pick him up and hold him and say, It's okay, I'm here, you're safe and well. And verse 51, he went up into the ship, went up with them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure. And they wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. What? They just witnessed an incredible miracle. And yet, the Bible says they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. In verse 53, when they passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew close to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway or immediately, they knew him. Their eyes were opened, and what did they do? They went on a mission trip. They ran through the whole region round about and began to carry those in beds that were sick when they heard of where he was. And whithersoever he entered into the villages or the cities or the countries, they laid the sick people in the streets and they besought him that they might touch as if it were 
but the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. God, what an enormity had dawned upon the disciples. They finally figured out and put two and two together. They set their reasoning aside or their lack of reasoning aside and focused on what they had seen. And they put the two to two and two together and realized just who was in their midst and that they had participated with him in this very miracle. <clears throat> they had known his divinity, divinity. They knew his humanness. But now they'd seen the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit working right in front of their eyes. And as I said, they went on a mission trip and they rounded up anyone who needed to touch him who needed to reach out, who needed to make an effort to know him and understand what touching his garment would do for them. That's my prayer this morning. We bring this to a close. Becky, if you want to come, we're going to, we're going to attempt to sing a song in a minute. Uh, you can have a seat because I, I have another little uh, part to tell. But I thank the Lord that he opened their eyes of understanding it, that they recognized what they, they had participated in through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a dream that I had this uh, last, it was on May the 27th, Thursday morning, I believe, very early in the morning. Normally, I don't dream very much, and if I do, I don't remember it very, very often, very, very few times, but this dream was different. Most of the dreams that I do have have something to do with water, with boats, and being outdoors, and this one had it all. I dreamed that my entire family and all of the church were in a boat together on a body of water I'm not sure if it was a lake or an ocean, it really doesn't matter, but it was a beautiful blue body of water and this giant boat and we were all together in it, enjoying the nature. And I stood up in the boat and I looked out across the sea and I saw a tsunami coming towards us. This giant wave had houses, trees, lots of debris just churning and rolling around in the wave itself. And I shouted, oh Lord, what shall we do? It's coming directly towards us. And so clearly, the Holy Spirit replied, just stay in the boat and you will be fine. We watched as this wave came towards us with the houses and the trees and the debris churning up and down in the upheaval of the, of the wave. And it got directly in front of our boat. And I'm not telling you a story. It parted and went around the boat. 
and our boat went like this, a gentle bobbing in the water, and the tsunami went past us. I woke up and I went to prayer and I said, Lord, I feel that this is a message from your heart to us and that the Holy Spirit gave this to me. And I felt the, the confirmation of that and the quickening of that. I don't know what that tsunami represents. I have no idea, but I'm asking the Lord if he wants to give me more insight into that. But it doesn't matter, for we know the master of the wind. We know the one that said, peace, be still, and the wind stopped. We know the one that saved the disciples from losing control in a rowing boat. They didn't even really know who he was at the time that he rescued them. No matter what might or might not be in this tsunami, Jesus knows and he's able to keep us just like he knew that he, the disciples would need his help when he sent them into the storm in the first place. I also know that glory and judgment go together. One follows the other. We've seen some judgment already, and I, I've said for this whole year and a half, I do believe we're going to see more judgment. But I know for a fact the glory of the Lord is coming in a way that we've not seen in our lifetimes, and I do mean that. So we need to stay in the boat. If there's anyone who feels you're not in the boat, you're in danger, maybe you're out in the wave instead of in the, in the boat, contact us and let us pray for you so that you can come into safety into the boat where Christ is and you can hide in him and he will protect us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Becky, if you would come now. We're going to sing an old, old song and it says, a Dottie Rambo song, and it says, let the storms rage high, let the dark clouds rise, they won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God.